Praise the Lord. I trust the Lord gave you a refreshing. And the Lord is ready to give you much more spiritual, physical, intelligent, and all-round refreshing today in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank God for bringing our Lord Bishop and his wife, Right Reverend Henry Sunday Okechuku and Mrs. Julie Okeke. You are welcome again in Jesus' name. Just for the benefit of those who are not all Anglicans, some leaders here are from other denominations. And for those who are not all priests, I just briefly tell you that taking us on the leadership forum this morning is a man who also has been prepared of God in diverse areas of service and leadership from humble beginning in India Nietzsche when in Aaron Dizogo he had also another humble beginning in spiritual faith when he gave his life to Christ 38 years ago from another humble beginning as a church teacher he rose through the rungs, through every level of service, as a deacon, as a priest, as a canon, as an archdeacon, before he was elected the Lord Bishop of Umbamili Diocese in 2008. He has served in three dioceses. Kaduna Diocese, Just Diocese, Lafia Diocese, before pioneering in Mbamili Diocese for 13 years and continuing at Ideata Diocese, incidentally, his home diocese. He has been a former chairman of the Evangelical Fellowship in Anglican Communion, the body comprising of all Evangelical Anglicans in the Anglican Communion for several years. And currently, he is the General Secretary of GAFCON West Africa. GAFCON is Global Feature Conference. And that's somewhat equivalent to what you have with the Lambert Conference. And they coordinate the West African region. From humble beginning in primary schools in Arundizogu, his hometown, he has also gotten theological training and academic empowerment in St. Francis. College of Theology in Zaria under Amadubelo University and as well as the Equa Theological Seminary under the University of Jos. In every aspect of service, leadership, the Lord has prepared him. And just for a few moments, in the next few minutes, the Lord will avail us of an area of burden to him 
that will avail us of God's grace this morning in leadership. Without any more spending our time, may I have the humble privilege to invite the Lord Bishop of Idato Diocese, the Right Reverend Henry Sandil Kechukwu Keke. You're welcome, sir. That was a very long introduction. And five minutes went out of my time. <laughs> I want to thank you so much for gathering again. Actually, it's very, very beautiful to be in the presence of God and with God's own people, those who desire to do the will of the Lord. And this is the best place to be. Without missing words, it's the best place to be among God's, God's people and to share from the word of God and to listen to our maker and the one that has called us and the one that has designed us and given us a commission to serve him and to serve his people. I want to thank the Lord so much again for the privilege of being here, being invited to be part of God's blessings. Um, not just to come and speak, but to be part of this community, part of what God is doing in your midst, and to receive my own share this weekend, and to carry out my own blessing and go. And I want to thank again the organizers, particularly Venerable Professor Samike and his wife, and members of the team, for counting us worthy to be here and be part of this great work here in Esut. We don't take it for granted. We are indebted to all of you for this fellowship. Shall we bow our heads to pray? We have no other but you. O oh Lord, our God, our Redeemer, our King, the one that has called us and blessed us and equipped us. And you have continued to equip us. Thank you for counting us. In the number, those who know you, those who profess your name. And thank you, God, for granting us the privilege to serve others within the corridor of leadership. And the grace bestowed upon us to serve your people. Continue to teach and guide us, helping us to be humble. As we present before the people the excellency of Christ, the supremacy of Christ in all that we do for you. Even so, Holy Spirit of God, guide us again this morning. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Praise the Lord. The foundation we laid yesterday evening was an indispensable foundation. It is a foundation that prepares everyone and anyone for the future. 
whether it's secular leadership or spiritual leadership. And for those of us who are not able to make it yesterday, or for those of us who have forgotten, we try to look at the principles of the kingdom and how important it is that anyone that finds himself within the corridor of church ministry should personally contact Jesus. Personally. So that the person will not just be in the church as a corporate body, but should have a personal testimony of salvation. Personal testimony of salvation. Even if you are born in a clergy family, even if your parents and grandparents carried church on their head, became archbishop or anything at all in life, but on your own, personally, to have a relationship with Jesus. For us as bishop and wife, we didn't want to take anything for a right or granted that because our children were born in the family of priests. For us, it's a labor. We have four children by the grace of God and we follow them one after the other to ensure that personally they have known the Lord Jesus. One of the things we tell our children is this. Don't be deceived by the paraphernalia of our office. Don't be deceived by our positions in the church. Don't be deceived by different versions of Bible you have in this house. Don't be deceived by the vestments you see. Don't be deceived by all the churches we have served in northern Nigeria, in eastern Nigeria, and some other places. Don't also be deceived by the fact that your parents are preachers. You will, on your own as an individual, present your work before the Lord on the day of judgment. And in view of that, personally, surrender your life to the Lord Jesus. We follow them from age 7, age 8, to see that they make decision for the Lord Jesus. We have several reasons we do that. So that they are not deceived by what their parents are. Secondly, you don't go about with your children everywhere. By the time your children are out of your hand from secondary school, maybe they are living in a boarding house. You no longer have control, all that. From secondary school to university. They are there on their own. They meet other students from different backgrounds. Human beings coming from different places. It's only the seed you sowed in the lives of those children at the point you did that sustains them. So that whether their parents are there or not, they already know what they have believed in. Whether their father is a pastor or leader in the chapel 
or national president of this or president, they have already made their own commitment, personal commitment to the Lord. Before they all went back to school last year, we sat down with them, four of them, to be very, very sure. Um, you, you are about to do your youth service. You, you are in this level. You are, you are in this level. Could you reassure us, your parents, that you are still holding forth to the faith? Wanted them to speak one by one, all of them. And of course, they had to reassure us before we release them. Wanted to be very, very sure. And our family chat from time to time, we fix certain things just to reassure them. The reason is not far. They are struggling in their generation. Your children and our children are seriously under tension, struggling in their own generation. So many distracting forces they have. We are not there at our own time. They have so much to struggle, so much to chew. They have so much distractions. And that's why constant touch with our children, constant reminder is very, very important. You talk with your children, encourage your children, speak one on one with your children, encourage them, lead them to Christ, establish their faith. Let them be as free as possible with you, but let them know the Lord. If we say that about others, what shall we say about those who are leading in the church of God? Whether you are leading the women or leading the men or leading the children or part of the leadership team, what shall we say about such people? What shall we say about those who stand to minister to us in music? What shall we say about those who are, you know, giving us directions and directives? What shall we say about these men who, from the altar, minister? If we are talking about new birth as indispensable, what shall we say about leaders? This is why this forum this morning is really in my heart when you mentioned that apart from the evening revival that leaders will also be meeting so that we also encourage ourselves and speak to ourselves and see how the Lord will also help us as we keep providing leadership for the people. I have a very small song. Jesus is my model. Very, very small song. My model. Jesus is my model. Jesus is my model. I will go with him. I will go with him, my model. Jesus is my model. Jesus is my model. I will go with him. Will you sing it now, my model? Jesus is my model I will go 
with all the arrogance, have accepted that Africa as a continent has all that it takes to fly the world. The problem is leadership. Nigeria alone, just Nigeria. The problem is leadership. Good leadership is a cry of every sector. In the church, it becomes more because the church ought to produce those who should be able to lead the society, live as examples to the society. Can you imagine where you have lecturers from Esuth, lecturers from um, all the high institutions in Enugu, transformed, being God's people, managing students, managing different departments. You can imagine the number of people they are turning out, the kind of human beings, boys and girls, young people they are sending into the world. You can imagine that. You can imagine where young people sit under a good leader, a transformed leader, a God-fearing leader, by way of a lecturer or head of department or vice chancellor or the registrar or deputy registrar or DVC, you can just imagine where young people find themselves under this caliber of leaders. And they stay there for four years and five years and they are out. And that's it will come in again. Under them, they are trained academically, socially, emotionally, and spiritually, and they are sent into the world. Watch what that society will be within years. Because of tutelage. For us as a church, our model is Jesus. Leadership and model is Jesus. A model from a scriptural point of view is a person who serves as a subject for at work. Subject for at work. You come to a sculptor, a sculptor, you said, Sculptor, please, I want you to do something for me. Design something, mold something, just just get me something. The first thing he will ask you is, what's your model? You must have to present a picture so that as he looks at that picture, oh, the sculptor will be able to say, oh, um, the nose will have to be exactly like this. The hand will have to be exactly like this. If you want the sculptor to mold something where your hands is just behind you, that's what you are expecting by the time the the thing comes out. If you are saluting, you have sent a picture which, which is your model, or even you want to use yourself as a model, you say, oh yeah, sculptor, do, or artist, oh yeah, do it. And you stand there for about 10 minutes or 30 minutes. And he's looking at you, he's drawing, he's modeling, uh, doing the thing, molding. You are expecting that by the time the thing comes out in the final stage, that you will be exactly like this. One of the gifts we have received 
in the course of ministry, somebody tried to do a presentation to us, a picture, an artist, artistic work, drawing my wife and I. He didn't request for any picture. He just found a picture somewhere and took the picture. So he finished and brought it. The day I saw the picture, we thanked the young man because that's labor. Somebody took his time. They wanted to give us a surprise. Drew the thing. He tried. But this didn't look like my wife. Oh. <laughs> the nose wasn't well captured. I know the picture that he used. But I said, no, 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 no. He tried. Maybe 60% or 70%. But you remain. But somebody else did another one that we always present in our parlor for anyone to see, everyone to see. That one is so beautiful. Beautiful. In our parlor. Just in our parlor. You see it. But the other one, we hid it somewhere. <laughs> we took it to where only, only two of us will be seeing it. But the young man tried. But not exactly. Not exactly. When we talk about model, no model can be better than Jesus in terms of leadership. This is supposed to be a discussion, an interactive session because we are talking to leaders. So I will make a few point presentation and then we interact. We ask questions, raise better ideas, raise better comments. Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. Jesus is our model. Somebody will read for us 13 and 14. Mark chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Hallelujah. And that he might send them forth to preach. God. She went up on the mountain. The same mountain again. He called to him those he himself wanted. There are some emphasis in this scripture that I like so much. They are not just to waste words. That verse could still be correct grammatically in every idea. If we say, and called to him those he wanted, without putting himself, those he wanted, he say correct grammatically. But that emphasis, those he himself wanted. So he calls those he wanted for service. They may not be pastors. 
They may not be in full time. They may be tent makers. Those who are still doing other things, but they have engaged themselves fully in the service of the Lord. It could be in music. It could be in other areas of leadership. It could be in pastoral care. It could be in medical care. Those he himself wanted. And they came to him. Then he appointed twelve that they might be with him first. And that he might send them out to preach. Something close to it is in Acts of Apostles chapter 4. Acts of the Apostles chapter 4. Read again for us verse 13. Hallelujah. And perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Good. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated people, unlearned people, unschooled people, untrained people, they marveled. How come? Where did these people get this boldness? Why did they get this kind of training? Why did they get this kind of education? Why did they get this kind of life they are living? How are they challenging people? Challenging people with their sins. Challenging people with their corruption in the society. Challenging people like this. Where did they get this kind of boldness? It's only those who are sure of their right standing that can stand to make this kind of challenge. We know our rabbis. But these ones are exceptionally different. Where, where did they get this kind of boldness? These ordinary fishermen, raw people, unschooled people, uneducated, unlearned people, untrained. I mean, how come? Where is this boldness coming from? But on a second thought, they say, oh, yes. We now remember their engine force, their drive. We now remember why they are doing what they are doing, saying it the way they are saying it, challenging everybody. We now remember they had been with, with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. Oh, no wonder. Like father, like children. But they had been with Jesus. They have been trained by Jesus. They have received something. Something from Jesus. That's why they are doing the way they are doing. So that automatically says that anyone that lands at the feet of Jesus must live like him. Anyone that is trained by him, anyone that studies under him, anyone that follows Jesus' example in leadership, anyone that looks up to Jesus as his model in leadership. Of course, Look at the disciples of Jesus, what they did, so that even after Jesus, the mission continued. It didn't stop with Jesus. It continued. If nothing was done in them, Christianity would have ended, in fact, in the first century. 
after the persecutions and the trials, by the time they entered into the hands of the, the emperors, that thing would have ended. But the Christianity continued until the 21st century. Because there was this impartation and they continued with apostolic succession. Apostolic succession. This one handing over to this, this one handing over to this. A time is coming when all of you in this chapel, if the Lord Jesus Christ tarries, none of you here will be here again. A different set of human beings will be there. Some would have graduated and left. Some lecturers would have retired and left. Some leaders will no longer be within a new goal. It will be a new set of people. As you in the next 30 years or 40 years or 50 years, somebody is coming back here. You come back here, a new set of people. You'll be asking them, please, do you know one professor, Sam Ike? They say, we used to hear, we used to hear one professor, Sam Ike. But then you have met a new set Oh, do you know about one doctor? Oh, do you wait? Do you know one doctor? He said, yes, 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 yes. I heard about one, one doctor, urologist, one doctor. But do you wait? The thing don't become used to. What matter enter used to? You know, therefore, present again. That is life. And that's why training and training and training in righteousness becomes necessary so that those who are taking over from us we do likewise or even do better same thing applies to home training home training a time comes when you will no longer be there it will be your children speaking representing standing madam a time comes when those your fanciful, wonderful, petty daughters will no longer be there with you. Oh, they have left to establish their own homes in the hands of one other man. They say, stay with your man. Oh, me, I'm going to stay with my own man. Those daughters will vanish. No matter how you love that your daughter the other way you are praying for her that God will give her a husband. By the time she leaves your house, she goes out to do like her mother. And the influence, the impact of her mother will be seen in her life as she lives in the home that she has created for herself. You see it all over. Relationship with the husband, relationship with her own children, the way she receives visitors. Look, apart from other things she has learned from reading and attending seminars and seminars, there are quite a lot of things coming from her mother. Her mother in particular that she has left the home with. That's why sometimes I said, ah, this girl that is behind like this, who trained you? Maybe the mother didn't train her well, though. They will refer to the mother. Thank God they will not talk about father. <laughs> My brothers, that's where we are exonerated. They will always talk about mother. Ah, didn't your mother train you? Ah, why is your soup watery like this? At least when they talk about the watery soup, they can't talk about father. What do I know about soup making? It's mother. Because of what the woman has done, she has taken her time in the kitchen. She doesn't bring board 
white board or any board to be writing anything or yeah, this is how you put after putting maggie, you put a uh, paper, after putting paper, you put crawfish. No mother does that. But in the process of interaction and sending the girl, bring this, bring this, bring pepper, bring soup, the girl is just watching, she's just picking these things. Even if she's a girl of 10 years, 11 years, she's picking a lot of things, learning some things. At a point, the mother will say, oh yeah, you go and try, you go and do anything. We are not allowed robots. Do some, just prepare something for your siblings. That food may be something else, but at least she has started something. She has started something. She has learned something from a model. Her mother. She has picked it. How to serve the people. How to do this. How to do that. You know. You say, no, no, no. Hold the water like this. If you hold the, hold liquid soap here, you hold water like this. Ah, don't just go and pour liquid soap anyhow. Let, ah, serve it like this. The mother will just be somewhere watching her make her mistakes. Sometimes she will carry the water and pour the body of the visitor. Say, continue to do it until she lands it. When, when by the time she now gets married and she's there, she now picks up. She has done that. She also teaches her own children. You see the succession. But if she lands the bad one, she carries also the bad one. If she lands bad mouth, she carries bad mouth. If she learns abusing husband, oh, she carries how to abuse husband. If she learns not to be receptive to visitors, to guests, you see the way she'll be stinging, stinging visitors. That's what she picked from the home. So you see that mothers impact, even without writing anything on the board or dictating anything, Mothers impact. They teach. They teach. Voluntarily and involuntarily, they teach. They communicate. They train. That was Jesus' style. He called to himself those he wanted, he himself wanted, so that they would be with him. And in that Acts 4, 13 that we read now, he said, by the time they watched these people and looked at them, they were unschooled, uneducated men. They said, hi, no wonder. Oh, whatever they are doing, they have tapped from their master. They have learned from someone. And that was Jesus. Jesus did three things in trying to model leaders. The first thing is, impartation of his life. Those that he called around himself, his first priority was to impact his life into them. So that they will be like him. They will live like him. They will speak like him. Their character will be modeled after him. They will love like him. They will be so passionate like him. They will look for souls like him to endure trials, endure persecution, endure abuses, endure so many things like him. To relate like him. To accept responsibility like him. Jesus did that impartation. Second was to teach the body of belief. To teach the doctrine. He had to teach them what to believe. 
We have to make sure that the people we are taught. We have to open the school for them. In some way, leaders are taught. Leaders are followed up. Leaders are discipled. Which is the main problem of the church today. In all our churches, all churches put together, whether it's Anglican or Roman Catholic or Pentecostal or any church, that's a problem. We have so many leaders on the corridor who we are never taught, who never submitted themselves for teaching, for correction, for rebuke, for follow-up, for discipleship. They are all there everywhere. And they are leading. They are leading. They are shouting. They are jumping around. They are speaking. They are usurping. They are milking. But they are leading. That's why the church is where it is today. That's why the society is where it is today. There are some who don't know anything about conversion. There are some who don't know anything about discipleship. There are some who never, never come under anybody and then followed the body of belief, the belief system, what every leader should know, what every future mother should know, future father should know. All the people that are leading, whose marriages are battered and scattered, they never sat under anybody. They never believed in what those people were saying. They just got up, found somebody they wanted to marry. Oh, they started marrying. They started loving. They started their premarital sex. From there, they married, joined, they start to leave. Finish. Next thing you hear is katakata. Husband slapping wife, kicking wife, carrying belt on the wife, sending the wife home. From their extramarital relationship sets in, and so on and so forth. The girl is carrying her load on the head. She's going back. What I'm telling you exists even among pastors, even among general overseers, even among some of our big men in our churches. Some people we are not properly taught, so just see the way they are doing their things. Some girls were not properly taught, some men were not properly taught, and they are leading in some places, leading in some churches, living in some communities, living in, leading in some offices. Jesus took time to teach. Jesus took time to explain the body of belief, what we should believe, what we should know. That's why those people who came to him and they summoned on the mountain, he told them, he sat, he sat down. He said, all of you, sit down, sit down. He had something. He had to teach. He had to teach the beatitudes. He had to teach. He had to teach about persecution. He had to teach about trials. He had to teach about temptation. He had to teach about money. He had to teach about morality. He had to teach about the ethics. All kinds of things. Jesus took time to teach that people. It's very, very important that we learn it. Teaching is very, very important. When I was addressing uh, students from theological college about last week, I said to them that what we do in the theological college, the curriculum is not complete, but 
administrators do their best to put some things together. At least within the four years, somebody will be in theological college. He's able to pick some things on how to preach, how to administer, how to order the church, how to present himself. You know, some of the etiquettes, some important things. I said, but when you get into the field, there are some things the field will teach you. There are some things the field will teach you. And I was telling the students, as much as you can grab now in theological education, do your best and get at least for in-depth, in-depth knowledge of the scripture. But I said, wait for other things the field will teach you. This time around, not your lecturers, professor in hermeneutics, professor in uh, homiletics, professor in biblical studies of this. No, 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 no. By the time you get into the field of pastoral ministry, there are some things the field will teach you if you are humble. You don't have colors of demons taught you in the theological college. By the time you get into the field, know that some demons can fly. You don't have that taught you in theological college. Nobody tells you how a widow feels who just married and after one year or two years, the husband died in motor accident. And she just has just one child or just carrying a pregnancy, the first pregnancy, only to lose the husband. I said, no professor told you that one in theological college. And you are there to comfort the woman. The woman has no other person around. She's a member of the church or a member of the choir, a member of just got married. All of a sudden, the husband died in an accident. And she's crying, Pastor, Pastor, Mama, Pastor, Mama, Mama. No professor will come at that time. You have professors have finished with you in the college. The field will teach you that. The field will teach you that. I learned one in 1993. It was very, very difficult for me to communicate to a very responsible, committed lady of two children that the husband died in motor accident. And the husband was so committed to the church, committed to the family. A very wonderful lover. Lover. Knitted, glued to the wife. Gluing to the wife. Christian was glued to the wife. So when the message came, they said, Pastor, it's your work to tell this woman that the husband died in an accident. Too. I said, me? <laughs> I'm still young girl. They said, no, it's your work. I said, I there were elders in the church who will help me to do that. They said, no, but you will start first. Elders will help you. I was very young then. That was just a year after my ordination. It was then 1992, and this incident happened in 1993. So, I adjusted myself, adjusted emotion. How am I going to stand before this young widow to tell her that the husband died in an accident? Not just a husband. You know, there are husbands and there are husbands. There's a husband that will die. The wife will say, God, thank you very much for delivering me. <laughs> thank you for helping me. Thank you for saving my life. Thank you for changing my course. Thank you for giving me a better future. Thank you for these children who will now know who is their father. But as a husband that you will miss, 
Oh my God. The whole world will turn black overnight. As if you will never survive. So that was my first experience in that church. To meet the woman. But I had to invite one of our elders in the church, Professor Cyril Limor. I said, Prof, come, let's go and do it together. Again, it's going to be in your house. We're going to invite the woman in your house. So we invited her in the house of Professor Cyril Limor. And we began to talk. We had to go round, 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 round the thing that happened, round, round, round. The woman didn't understand what we were saying. We had to come into Proverbs, oh, uh-huh. quoted the scripture, oh, uh-huh. hi. I said, what am I going to do that? In myself, I was asking myself, why am I into this trouble now? How will I begin? Finally, I said to the woman, is there anything you will hear now that will be strange to you? Ah, she adjusted her sitting, know that something was coming. I said, well, we received the news that when your husband traveled, there was accident somewhere. You know, we are yet to confirm. We had to put some small holy lies. We've already confirmed. We already confirmed that the man was dead, taken to the mortuary already. But how will I just say that the man was in the mortuary? A man that just left. He was a transporter. He was driving this 9-11 lorry. The man just left, said bye-bye to the family. Very loving husband. I said, we just had, oh, but we're here to confirm that your husband was involved in that accident. That his lorry fell, break, and he hit somewhere. Hey! That atmosphere changed immediately. She said, please allow me. Let me go and urinate. I'm coming. She went. As she was going to the bedroom, she was urinating all along to the bedroom. Thank God, the wife of the professor, Chinere, came out and held her, took her to the bedroom, finished, came back again. So she asked me, Pastor, what did you just say? I got more confused. How to start the story again? I got more confused. But finally, we landed that the man was dead. Ah, nobody could hold her there again. It was then the women who were around came around and helped us to hold her. Trauma healing is a very important subject. It's becoming more important. Trauma healing. Even for us as leaders, with all the things happening, a strength, a medical strength can just be there all of a sudden to hear that the parents died in accident. And that's her last only hope. Medical strength. Ha. I was expecting some money from them all. He said, please, leader, what do I do now? What do I do now? Trauma healing. So that leaders are prepared. Leaders are taught Leaders are equipped to be able to stand situations, circumstances, happenings. So, Jesus took time to teach. Jesus took time to prepare the people. And we should do our best to prepare the people, to follow up people. Even those who come for altar call, those who give their life to the Lord Jesus Christ, invite them, teach more. Encourage them more. Even leaders who are joining the ministry, leaders who are joining the pastoral team, 
need to teach, need to encourage the people, need to equip the people. So Jesus taught. Jesus equipped the people. Number three, Jesus commissioned them for replication. Commissioning for replication. I said the first imparted his life into them. Second, he taught them the body of belief. And the third was commissioning for replication. So the things I am teaching you must go to replicate. Must go to um, show it. Go out and prove it. If you are asked to mention the number of people that have been to the Lord since you began to attend a church, I don't know how many people you will point at to say, by the grace of God, this person became a believer because of my witness to him. This person started coming to church as a result of my visitation and pastoral care and help and witnessing and whatever it is. If all of us are giving microphones now, give us a testimony of your witness and life. How many people have started attending the chapel or have known the Lord Jesus Christ within the campus since you became a member of the chapel or your church anywhere it is? How many people are you going to point at? To say, thank God, Mr. A, Mrs. B, Sister A, Sister B. We love the things. We feel good in the things we do in the church that we don't want to step out. We don't want to be commissioned for replication. The things we have been taught to do, to go out and do likewise. We like to warm benches. We like to warm benches. Somebody comes to church, when the gospel band is not there, they say, oh, in short, in short, they said, how was the service today? The service was not sweet at all. In fact, that there was one sister that sings in the choir. She didn't come to church. So for her, that day was spoiled. Because that's the thing that makes us feel good. Things we like to. You just come, we just dance, we just dance, we just dance. I also like to dance. I also like, I like music. But we should, we should start going beyond these things. The things that are happening now to the church. We should start going beyond these things. The things that are happening to our girls when they get married and enter into the hands of some men. is going beyond music. It's going beyond music. Some of our girls are suffering in marriage. Some of our ladies are seeing pepper, smoking pepper in their marriages. The cloth is covering so many things. Thank God for good dresses that cover so many things. When you see our women appearing like this, looking good, some of them are in prison in their marriages. But these are those who feel so good in worshiping the church, who have led in the music, who have done so well in boys' brigade, girls' brigade, this, 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 and that in the church. But they were not prepared for certain things. They were not prepared. They only came to church and worshipped. They never discipled anybody. They never doctored anybody. They never mentored anybody. 
And they left, they left the university system, went into the world, got married, became something else. And by the time they turned the heat, ah, not even the song she was singing in the chapel, you will ever remember. It becomes very, very important that as we prepare the people, we should also prepare people that should mentor others. People that should be prepared, that should be grounded, properly grounded in the word of God. Because of the things we are seeing. Because of the, 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 the tension, coming, the pressure coming upon the church. We are most privileged. We are most privileged. Each time we look at the church in eastern Nigeria, I say, we are, we are just most privileged. We are, we, are, we, are, we are so much at home. We are so much relaxed. Even the devil is not troubling us. We are enjoying and over-enjoying and over-enjoying. Maybe that's why we are receiving some baptism of fire now. That's why the church is under serious pressure. You come around the most states. There is so much happening. So much is happening. You heard about a pastor that these bandits went into the personage and killed the pastor there. Sometimes they enter into the church and cause one mayhem. The church is so much realized. It's not like that in northern Nigeria. Where, where we stayed and lived for over 20 something years and served there, the church in northern Nigeria is stronger than the church in eastern Nigeria. Without fear of contradiction, the church in northern Nigeria is stronger by far than the church in eastern Nigeria. So much relaxed. Nobody is feeling any heat around him no persecutions nobody is chasing you with a machete or gun you sleep with we sleep see how we sleep with two eyes closed snoring nobody think about thinks about any warfare but you see the way the breeze of the thing is coming now just coming gradually gradually that's why it's good to start on time to prepare leaders Otherwise, you have so many people that will deny Jesus Christ when the real hate comes. If the Islamic agenda is released to the church in eastern Nigeria, so many will deny Christianity. So many people that worship in the chapel and dance around in the chapel and are big cathedrals will deny Christianity. No doubt. No doubt. The little we are seeing in our feet, but they are just... Just a tip of the iceberg. But you have Alahaji Okonkwa, Alahaji this, Alahaji Bo, Alahaji this, Alahaji that. Because they have seen money. By the time more money comes in, of course you know what our people are up to. Preparing leaders, preparing disciples, preparing people who will stand their faith. Very, very important. We need to prepare our leaders. We need to commission some people to go out and also speak to other people about Jesus. We should be proud of having young people in the chapel, lecturers, who have taken it upon themselves to reach others. That thing they have had, taking the thing out. 
2 Tim 2 2 is a principle that have worked, has worked for ages. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Please, let's go to that place. We're going to read that place together as we did yesterday night. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 is a very popular verse. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. It's only when you get it, we'll read. We'll wait for you to get that place. Are you there now? Good. Shall we read together? One, two, go. Thanks for having me say. Presence of many witnesses. Commit some faithful men who were able to teach others also. Amen. And the things you have had me say, the things you have had me teach, the things you have had me exhort, commit to reliable men. Commit to faithful men. Commit to dependable men. Those who will transfer the same. Or those who will translate the same. This is so serious in preparatory for leadership. So that don't commit things in the hands of those who just relax and say anywhere. In fact, I like their singing. In fact, I like the way they do this. In fact, I like this fan. Short, I like this one. He sits in a place. Fan is not working. He said, no, this church is not good. Let me go to where they have air conditioners. Let me go to this place. That's the kind of things he wants to enjoy. That person will not be ready for leadership. Commit to reliable men. Commit to reliable men. Those who will be able to transfer the same thing. Those who will be able to teach it. Those who will be able to understand it. Those who will be able to run with the mantle. Anywhere they are in the world. Anywhere they are in the world. Whether they are serving as a medical officer in China. Serving as a medical officer in Slovakia. Serving as a medical officer in Sokoto. Anywhere, anywhere they are carrying something. They have something that has been imparted into them. They carry it anywhere. Anywhere. Wherever they are, they'll be proud of their base. Oh, we were taught here. We were drilled. Drilled is the word. They drilled us. They imparted into us. They taught us. They prepared us. Not just academically, but they prepared us spiritually and emotionally. Be able to face the society. They will always remember the chapel of resurrection. The things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses commit to reliable men. Reliable men. The same thing applies in the family. Why do we teach our children? Why do we take time to teach children? Why do you spend time? Why do you flog? Why do you pray for the child? Why do you take time to drain your children? You are committing something to Reliable, reliable representatives, reliable successors, reliable ambassadors, those who will speak about you somewhere. I'll always cite instances with our girls. I said, when you find a girl, for instance, in Esuth, who don't want to wear these kind of crazy things other girls are wearing? 
And maybe one of his girls who like to wear show buttocks or show breasts or show back or show anything. Say, ah, ah sister Jeline, why, why are you not, why are you not joining us to ah, be yourself now? Ah, sister Jeline, be yourself. Ah, what did that happen? Every day you are wearing, wearing, wearing all these things. I can dash you something. And sister Jeline will say, hmm. If my mother hears it, just hearing alone, if my daddy hears it alone, let alone me putting any of these things, just to hear alone that my hands touched any of these things you are wearing. We are, Jeline is saying that the parents are not there, but she's already speaking for the parents. Is that so? An ambassador. Somebody who has gone from a good cultural background where she was trained, where, where, where she believed what she was trained, where she is prepared to live by what she was trained. She's not just talking about, no, the Lord or the Holy Spirit will not be interested or will not be happy with me, but she said, ah, my parents, oh God, if they even hear it, if they even, had, if they even hear it, that I touched any of these things people are wearing, they will use matches to cut off my head. She's talking about parents that had done something in her life. Also talking about herself, who has been able to capture what the parents taught her. That's the responsibility. She's carrying a responsibility anywhere she is. She may be within Nigeria, she may be outside of Nigeria, but there's something that girl is carrying. A virtue that that girl is carrying that is greater than silver and gold. And among her pairs, she is standing tall. Whether they like it or not, she is standing tall. They will always talk about her. They say, no, Jeline, don't go near her house. She will always talk about her parents, her parents, her parents. Her parents that are not even here. Every day she's talking about her parents, parents, parents. Allow her to be talking about her parents because... I mean, something was pumped into her and she grabbed it. She appreciated it. And she's standing tall with it. She has become your ambassador. She has become the ambassador of the family anywhere she goes in the world. Carrying the same attitude. Carrying the same. What about we men? The man travels to UK. The man travels to Dubai. The man travels to US or China or anywhere. Maybe on sabbatical or business or anything. And all these guys are flying around in hotel and all those things. She, he's not there with the wife. But the girl comes and says, no, 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 please. I am married. My wife didn't want to hear this. This is my wedding ring. He said, ah, which, 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 which wife? Every man they do them. Which wife? Is your wife here? He said, no, whether my wife is here or not, I can't defile our bed. It doesn't have to do with whether my wife is around or not. And he is busy telling the girl or telling the lady, I know I am married though. I am wedded. If like I show you the picture of my wife, and that's my wedding ring, even though my wife is not here, I cannot defile, I cannot cheat on her. That's an ambassador. Amen? That's an ambassador. He is at liberty at that moment to do whatever he wants to do. Who, which, which wife? Who is the wife? 
The wife is not there. He's at liberty to do anything and lie to the wife. He's at liberty to travel to any part of the world if he has the money and tell the wife something else. He's at liberty to move with another girl somewhere and fly the girl to any part of the world if he has the resources without the wife knowing it. But the one that is responsible, the one that is God-fearing, is carrying something from home. He's carrying something from home. Though the wife is not there physically, but he sees the wife all around her. Whether in the hotel room, or in the restaurant, or in the lecture room, or anywhere, carries the wife around. That's an ambassador. That's somebody who has received a good discipline. Certain applies to the woman. Say, no, my husband, though he's not here, but uh, I am responsible. I'm a married, I'm a married man. I'm a married woman, please. You see her opening eyes to the lecturer. Say, if you like, tell me, I am a married woman. I have three children, I have four children. My, even, my children are even the university. I'm a married woman. Is it because of um, Max? Is it because of this project? Say, married woman, please stop that. That's an ambassador. That's an ambassador. Others will go for the marks. Others will go for the grades. Others will go for something else. Hey, if you don't do this, you will not be inducted. If you don't do this, you will not pass out. You better, you better submit. Me, I don't have submitted. I have submitted myself. We better go and submit. Otherwise, you won't be part of this induction. And they will use that to intimidate you and intimidate you and intimidate you. But somebody else will tell them, no, 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 induction or no induction, I can't submit myself to any lecturer. I, that's an ambassador. We need to teach these things. We need to drill our people with these things. That was the method of Jesus. He was not just imparting into people and teaching into people, he was also commissioning people to go and do likewise. Leaders, should have those they are mentoring. Do you have those who are mentoring? Do you have those who are looking up to you? Do you have those who are following you? Do you have those who will say, no, 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 no. I, I mean, I have been well trained. I have been well taught. I am looking at somebody. Do you have people you can point at who are looking up to you? By the time you begin to raise others, by the time you begin to speak to others, by the time you begin to, others begin to sit under you, you mustn't be a pastor before others sit under you. No. By the time you move to witness somebody about the Lord Jesus, and that person about the Lord Jesus, and you are following them up, you are discipling them, you are bringing them to fellowship, they are already sitting under you. They are already looking up to you. That's why leadership is frontal. You have to be in the front. They are looking up to you. Your way of life, your way of teaching, and the things you are doing. Oh, they look up to you. And even the choir director, music director, that stands to minister, and is singing, and is reading the words of the music, the relics, is just, he's already the leader. The girls in the choir, they are watching somebody. They are looking at somebody. Oh, there are some things the music director or choir master will do. They say, ah, <laughs> We thought that this man, all of us are the same thing, fish in the river self. 
Lord have fished the river. Because they haven't seen something from the leader. The one that is directing the Christian music. They haven't seen something. That should enable them to emulate him. Leadership is frontal. And this is very, very important. There is so much that Jesus Christ did in an attempt to commission the people so that they replicate his life, his body of teachings, and also his life. Don't forget what I said at the beginning. It's a problem of the church. Many people would like to sit, just sitting down in the church and listening to good sermon, listening to good music. At the end of the service, when they give their offering, they will just carry their bags and go. Next time they return again and sit down again and they listen and they listen and they listen and become constipated and they cannot give out. Next time again they come back and listen and listen and listen. Time for that is gone now. Find somebody. Find somebody to disciple. Mamas, find any of these girls. Befriend any of these girls. Not just being her mother and she becoming your daughter. But befriend that girl. Want to know about that girl. Who are your parents? Are they still alive? Which church do they go to? When did you give your life to Christ? When did you gain the admission? At what level are you? When are you passing out? How far are you doing? How are you enjoying the chapel worship? I mean, befriend the girl. Talk, talk, talk some things. You know, go several miles. I know sometimes people struggle. You know, sometimes no money to buy this, no money to do, the money to do that. But do not be distracted. Maybe at the end, you just say, open your bag. Okay, hold this 1,000 naira or 2,000 naira or 3,000 naira, which is a very big money to a medical student. But at the end, talk about her salvation. Talk about her personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. From that point, you become a mentor. You encourage her to the church, encourage her to activities of the church, as well as encouraging her to study harder, study, study well. Where she has difficulties, she comes around, seeks for advice. You finish with her, you pick somebody else. You know, by the time the year comes to an end, maybe two persons have fallen into your hands for discipleship, for modeling, for tutelage. When they leave that chapel, they will never forget they came in contact with Mama, this, Mrs. this, Dr. Mrs. this, Professor Mrs. this. They will always remember one woman that took them as their daughter. You did not only impact into her, you know, moral, moral life, good moral living, but also you have impacted spiritual life. You also touched on the academics, you know, encouragement and so on and so forth. Something applies to our men. I know some of them, you, you do that. Apart from the things you do as lecturers and medical doctors, but talking one-on-one -on -one with somebody, just picking somebody to model. Put your life into the person. If you think your life is worth transferring, if you think you are courageous enough to pick somebody and say, just look at me, follow me. Ask several questions about personal life. This one I no longer uh, talk in the lecture. Personal life. Dig deeper into his personal life. 
Know why she, he's behaving the way he behaves in the lecture hall. Know why he's doing certain things. Know why he's not smart. Know why there are things you must discover. Oh, you're already mentoring. You're already growing somebody. You're preparing somebody for leadership. It will be good. I begin to think about all this. Finally, when we look at Apostle Paul, Apostle Paul is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful example. Great example. Look at Acts of Apostles chapter 20. Acts of Apostles chapter 20. We're looking at the standard for modern leadership. The standard for modern leadership. We have talked about Jesus. And look at Apostle Paul. We'll not be able to do justice to all the things we want to say about Apostle Paul because of time, but want to pick just a few things from Acts of Apostles chapter 20. I want to read from verse 17. Are we there? Acts 20 from verse 17. From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you, and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 22, and see, now I go, bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. Except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations are with me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life there to myself, so that I may finish the race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of grace of God. And indeed now, I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching, the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. Listen to verse 26 again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take it to yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Verse 33. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands of mine provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this, that you must support the weak and remember the words of our Lord Jesus. As he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. When you study the pastoral epistles of Apostle Paul, there is so much you see about the pastoral.
passion of the leader. There's so much you see about modeling. At a point he says, imitate me as I imitate Jesus Christ. Just imitate me. He said, you Ephesians, just, just, just look up to me. Watch me. Watch my life. You Corinthians, just watch my life as I imitate the Lord Jesus. In other words, he imitates the model, Jesus. It's easier to follow the man that is following the Lord in leadership, in mentoring, in discipleship. It's easier to follow the man that is diligently following the Lord. Very, very easier. You will not miss the steps. You see, his dealings with Timothy, his dealings with Titus, his dealings with Philemon, these ones that he mentored, they followed him, he imparted into them. Leadership is impartation. Brothers and sisters, leadership is impartation. It's not just influence, it's impartation. You are lifting something and you are planting it into someone. Just like I used the mother and the girl. A mother plants into her girl, her daughter, something. And she does that with passion. He said, look, Elizabeth, be very, very careful. Is this what you'll be doing? Whatever a mother is doing in the life of her daughter, she's having a picture of her future. Having a picture of when she's going to be married, how she's going to be treating the husband, how she's going to be treating the children, what her home will look like. What the home will look like. So, she's not just teaching somebody who will be sweeping the house, washing the plates, Cooking when she's not around. No, 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 no. A mother does more than that. She's having a picture of the future of that girl. Look, even if the girl is three years old, she knows that one day, the girl of three years will answer mama, will answer mommy, some people will hold her, mommy, mommy, a girl of three years. So from right, right from now, at the third year, a mother is walking in the life of the girl. Three years is even much. The girl just came out from the womb. A baby girl. And her formation is somehow. The mother cries out. She's walking. If she begins to walk, she's walking somehow. The mother cries out. The girl is always sleeping by one side. And the mother is pushing her. Making sure that she doesn't always sleep. You know, with head, just one side, one side. Otherwise, that place may deepen. The mother is concerned about the future. She's always using left hand, the left hand to do certain things. The mother, shut up that, will you? Change to right hand. Come on, do this. Ah, she's talking about the future. About the future. The way she handles her siblings. He said, don't you know that you are a girl? You're a woman? Why are you always aggressive? Why are you always inject, injecting all those who are around you? Why are you always doing this? She is looking at the future of somebody who is not going to become a mother. Even at age three, four, five, six. She's looking at the future of that girl. 
The same thing applies to leadership, spiritual leadership. The person you are preparing today, you don't know what she's going to become, what he's going to become later. Maybe your next bishop, maybe your next governor, maybe your next minister of health, maybe your next World Health Organization director, maybe your next anything. And of course, it has no respect for gender. It mustn't be a boy. We have long passed that one. See what Ngozi Okonjo Iwala did to beat all the Oyibo people who contested for Director General of World Trade Organization. You see, all that she went through, all the hustles she went through. At the end, Ngozi Okonjo Iwala stood tall in the midst of all the international figures that contested for that position. That's a girl. Let me use the word girl. That's a girl. With, where, where were the men? Where were the men? So it's not, it's not a matter of boy or girl. Look, even if it's only girls you have in your family, only girls the Lord gave you, congratulations. I'm telling you from the depth of my heart, I'm just saying congratulations to you. Because you have nations around you. All they need is attention, training, proper training, preparation, proper preparation for their future. That's all they need. You see that that statement becomes true. That what a man can do, a woman can also do. Even better. Even better. Even better. When we were together with uh, Peter Obi as our governor in Anambra, Peter Obi said why he had so many women around her in the office, he wasn't ashamed to say that. But journalists will ask, why, why, why is it this commissioner? The, the closest commissioner is a woman. The closest this person is a woman. This one is a woman. This one is a woman. He said, Peter Obi, why? He said, that's why I'm doing well in government. They are less corrupt. Women are less corrupt. What this man is able to do, give it to another man, he will clear the treasure of the, of the state. Because some of them became, became good quality leaders that can be trusted, that can attempt and hold responsible positions internationally. So it's not a question of whether it's a boy or a girl. Honestly, if it's a girl, all she needs is good training good direction, good parenting, allow her what she's going to be or what she's going to do. So that whatever you are doing in her at the moment, you are looking at the man that's going to be her husband in the future, the place she's going to direct as a director general, what she's later going to be as a governor or deputy governor, a director general or this, this or that, that where she is sitting Whatever you are putting into that girl, don't just look at somebody who's going to be washing your plate and doing other uh, domestic things. Think about her future. Apostle Paul looked at Timothy, Titus, Philemon, and the rest of them that came under him. He was see, simply seeing their future, what they were going to be. 
Somebody like Timothy, who later became a, 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 a bishop. Somebody like Titus, who was kept in Crete to be able to deal with difficulties. Ah, Titus later became Apostle Paul's problem-solving man. Anywhere, anywhere that he had difficulty, he would send Titus. He became the troubleshooter. That's why he told him in chapter 1 verse 5. He said, the reason I left you in Crete was to finish what was not finished, deal with the difficulties around, and prepare leaders. Prepare leaders. So that in the midst of the turbulence in leadership, he said, prepare leaders who will take over. So he had the stamina, maybe which others didn't have. When leaders are being prepared, they are being prepared not just for today, but even for tomorrow. Now, Paul was in Miletus, where we read in chapter 20, Paul was in Miletus and he was preparing his valedictory speech. You know the people he wanted to deliver the valedictory speech to? The leaders in the Ephesian church. From Miletus, about 30 miles from Miletus, he invited the leaders in Ephesus. Say, come and meet me here. Paul began to speak to them. You know what he said to them? He said, when they had come, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you. He said, official leaders, listen to me very, very well. This is my last speech to you. You know the manner of life I lived among you. Paul began with life. Why did Paul begin with life? The reason for impartation. He wasn't just speaking and speaking and speaking and speaking. He said, you know. In other words, like lawyers we do. I am putting it to you. You people know it. The manner of life I lived among you. If there is anybody who will uh, object to that, let him raise up hand. Is there anyone among you, the efficient leaders, who can raise up his hand to say that I'm, I'm not saying the correct thing? The manner of life I lived among you. Serving the Lord with humility. Humility is the absence, total absence of arrogance, conceit, haughtiness. Humility. I served among you. I served among you. In a humble manner. A feeling of moral insignificance. You know, I served among you. I walked among you. Humility is an essential ingredient in leadership. Whatever you have known, whatever you are, you are whatever you think you possess, whatever you think you can give, however you can deliver it, humility is a gateway. When you find leaders who are so arrogant, so pompous, people who sing a little thing or preach a little thing or pray a little, although they, 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 they feel as if the world will no longer contend them. John the Baptist said, if I remember the words of John the Baptist this morning, he said, nobody can receive anything from the Lord except what is given unto him. 
Nobody can receive anything except what is given to him from above. That's what John told all those people who came to gossip. Because they said John the Baptist, ah, you are here. And uh, that man you talked about is gathering more disciples. Many people are going to him. And you are here, Oga. What are we doing? We are your, see your disciples. But you cannot be here and more people are going to that man you call Jesus Christ. That was a reply John gave to them. He said, nobody can receive anything except what is given to him from above. I only came as a foreigner. I only came to talk about that man. Now that he has come, he is doing what he's supposed to be doing. I must decrease and he must increase in me. Asrena, gossip finish. He exposed gossip, humility in service. It's very, very important. Know your level, understand your level, operate there. Even when you are asking God for higher level, higher level. But at the moment, at that level where God has placed you, operate there. And trust God for greater grace for a higher level, next level. But don't giraffe into someone else's level. Otherwise you become envious. You, you, you will send catastrophe into your life. You become unproductive. Operate where God has placed you. And appreciate someone else's level. That somebody is doing so well in the department, doing so well in the lectures, doing so well in the chapel, doing so well in leadership, doing so well in this. Appreciate that level. For no one can receive anything except what is given to him from above. Paul said, I served you in humility with many tears and with many trials. How I kept back nothing that was helpful but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. This is where we learned house to house evangelism. So I declare to you publicly and also from house to house. That's his pattern of leadership. Whatever he said in the public, he also said from house to house. Testifying to the Jews and every and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 25. And indeed now I know that you, you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. I testify to you. I put it to you that my hands are clean. Oh. After you have done all that's supposed to do in this chapel by way of raising leaders who will face the society, you can say like Apostle Paul, my hands are clean. I have done my best. By the time your daughter is going in for marriage, as a woman, as a mother, you should be able to say, look, Angelina, I am innocent. I have done my best. I have taught you. I have trained you. I have worked on you. Angelina, I prayed for you. Angelina, I instructed you. Angelina, you could see the way I live with your father. Angelina, how many times did I abuse your father? 
Angelina, how many times did we quarrel in this family? Angelina, my hands are clean. Will you be able to stand before Angelina to say something like that? I am innocent of your blood. Whatever you ought to be in your husband's house, Angelina, I have delivered it. Whatever you support, the kind of life you're supposed to live, I have. The same way your own boy that is going to pick a wife as a man, you stand before your boy, he said, How many times did I beat your mother? Chijoke, how many times did you see me in this house? All the years you lived in this family, how many times did I slap your mother? Put it to me. How many times did I quarrel her at the dining table? Chijoke, how many times did you see me bringing any woman inside this family? You are speaking to your boy because he's going to pick a wife. I am innocent. Chijoke, I am innocent. Shall we be bold enough to tell those we are leading? Because that's what Apostle Paul was doing to the Ephesian leaders. He had taught them before. This time around, valedictory, a farewell speech. He said, you yourselves know. Two times he mentioned that. You yourselves know from the first day I entered Asia, the manner of life I lived. Secondly, he said to them, you yourselves know I am innocent of any man's blood. I coveted no silver, no gold. My hands worked out everything. You yourselves know. I don't know why I'm particular about parenting. I'm not supposed to be talking about parenting. It's a different, it's a whole body of teaching. But God keeps bringing that. The Holy Spirit keeps bringing that. Parenting. Parenting. As God has blessed us with children and they are in different places. Some have married. You know, some of us are grandparents. Some are still giving out marriage. Some are still raising children. Some are even wanting to enter into the club. Some are warming up. But parenting is a critical matter. Particularly, particularly now. Parents are having it more difficult. Tougher, tougher to be able to raise godly children in an ungodly society. Becoming more difficult. We are struggling with our children. We are struggling, you know, how to direct them, how to lead them. They will agree, they will agree, but when they go out, they will face more pressure outside than they are facing inside the home. But God expects us as parents to do our best so that whatever the child later desires to become, the parents will be able to say, I am innocent. I did my best as the Lord will give me the grace to do so. I trained, I talked, I teached, I prayed. You know, I, I did my best to teach. I am innocent. Apostle Paul was bold to say that he was innocent. He said, I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Incidentally, we used this passage last, just last week in our clergy and wives retreat in the Diatot Diocese. And the theme we attach to it is a healthy minister. 
a healthy minister, producing a healthy church, growing a healthy church. A healthy minister, growing a healthy church. And I was asking my pastors, when we look at what Apostle Paul said here, in verse 27, I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. And how many years did Apostle Paul stay in Ephesus? Three years. I said, that's our usual three years, they not transfer. You stay in a church for three years or four years, at most five years, you are out, except where there is a social assignment. Some will even say just two years. But Paul said, I lived among you for three years, but I taught to the whole counsel of God. And I was asking my pastors, which kind of program, which kind of roster did Apostle Paul prepare to have been bold to say to efficient leaders, I taught to the whole counsel of God. In other words, all that you ought to know about the Lord, about the second coming, about demons, about salvation, I taught you all. Hi. I said, look, pastors, look at what you have, what you have in mind for the first quarter of the year. What is your plan for the second quarter of the year? What's the plan for the last quarter of the year? What things are you teaching in sequence? Do you have a series of anything you want to teach? Is it just any money? Anybody can come to the pulpit and just say anything. You just pick anybody from anywhere. Or you're just in the vegetable. You're going to preach today. What, what's, what's the preparation? What's, what, what's the series? What is the systematic order you are following in bringing people to the knowledge, full knowledge of Christ? That's the only way it will work. You send them to the chapel. What is the next thing you are thinking about in the next quarter? What's the next thing you are thinking about, about those who are trying to pass out? What is the program for the young people? What is the program for married people? What is the program for businessmen? What is the program for the community? Pastor Paul says, the whole council, the whole council of God, he was bold to tell the people. And the last thing he mentioned there was, I have coveted no one silver or gold or apparel, Yet you yourselves know that these hands of mine provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. I coveted no one's silver or gold. Covetousness is a very big cancer. Very big cancer. Our doctors, they know what cancer is all about. How cancer, how cancer can be cancerous. And dangerous. How it eats up, eats up. Eating this cell, eating this one, eating all this. By the time you know, it's there, ah, the whole cell is, is involved, are involved. Conventionalness. You have this, you want to grab this. Whether they like it or not. You have this, you need the other one. Whether you want it or not, whether you have it or not, you must by every means get it. If it is weird, you must by every means get it. You must get it. We managed to tell our daughter when she was entering the university 
We said, Glow. We know that university is a different world of its own. You have so many girls coming from different backgrounds. You also, you are coming from a dignifying background. You know your parents, we are equal to it by the grace of God. And so when you get to the university, and you meet all these other girls who are wearing this and wearing this and behaving like this and behaving like this, remember that we are equal to it by the grace of God. I will provide for you. Don't covet. Allow them to wear whatever they want to wear. Allow them to come with school with cars. Allow them to do whatever they want to do. Allow them to have their boyfriends who take them out and give them some plenty of money. Allow those ones. They are in a different world. You, you are in a different world. Whatever you need by the grace of God, we will provide for you. If what you need has not come, wait for it. It will come. I said, Glow, did you hear us? He said, yes. Just wait for it. We'll do our best to provide for you. Even as missionaries, we'll provide for you. But leave them in their own world. Do not covet. Do not covet. You are not that person. That person will never, never in life be you. You are different. You are unique. Your destination is already defined. We spoke to her as our daughter. When the other one was entering again, the same thing, we spoke to her as our daughter. Because it's more in the women's world. I want this, I want to give, I want to wear this, I want to check this, I want to follow this, I want to pick this, I want to use this, I want to do this, I want to do that. Do not covet. Do not covet. I like the way Ibo puts it. Anyuku. That is Anyaburibu. Big eye. Yes. The person has, you get big eye. Do not covet. Because God says, I will supply your needs according to my riches in glory in Christ Jesus. God is a supplier. God is a giver. That which you think you may never get. God can send somebody, can send anybody. Even at the time you are under serious tension and pressure of need. If you look up to God, God will certainly send somebody. In conclusion, verse 35 said, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this, that you must support the weak. And remember the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. 36, and when Paul had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. Then they all wept freely. They wept like babies and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke to them, that they would see his face no more. And they accompanied him to the ship. They wept and wept and wept and wept until they could weep no more. Because for them and Apostle Paul, that was more than a church. Let me tell you, members of this chapel and our friends who have come from outside, there is a way a church will be growing, growing under God's grace. It goes beyond becoming a church to a family. 
That's what the blood of Jesus does. First John 1 7. The blood of Jesus does not only wash, but he sanitizes and prepares God's house and makes it a family. A church can graduate from becoming a church to a family. So that even when some people will be passing out, hi, they wouldn't feel like leaving this place. They'll be remembering this person, remembering the fellowship, remembering the togetherness, the knitting together, the joy, the hope, the love, the assistance, the choir, the many, many, many things. Many things. Remember so much. May the chapel grow like a family. One of the ways it happens is when the word of God is brought before the people and you find people accepting God's word. You find people being interested in the life of each person. Interest. Like I said yesterday, God is not intimidated by a crowd. Even if there are one billion people, God is interested in each person's life. So when Paul finished speaking with them, Everybody, young and old, they began to cry. They began to, the Bible said, they wept freely. Freely means Paul couldn't stop them. Paul also was weeping. They couldn't stop him. They all put their, 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 their heads on his neck, weeping as they were escorting him to the ship. That's a family. That's a family. The word of God, when it is grown in a church, it becomes a family. The church becomes a family. Where needs are met. Where concerns are shown. Not all the needs, financial needs may be met. But members see love. Members see acceptance. Members discover that, no, 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 no. This church is a place to be. Oh, they can ask about the little me when I wasn't in fellowship, when I wasn't in church. Even little me who just came yesterday. So they even came to the hostel to ask about me. Now, wow, this church. They say, Lizzie, even little me, they came to ask of me. I wasn't in the choir yesterday and they came. That's a family. That's a family. Because of numerous problems, financial challenges and needs, of course, the chapel cannot meet all the needs of the students, all the needs of the members, and so on and so forth. But cares is different from giving somebody something. Your heart goes first in care, in caring. So when there is caring, that's why pastoral ministry does not mean the ministry of the pastors. When you say you are raising a pastoral team, it doesn't mean you want to bring pastors together to form a team. No. There may not even be a single pastor in that team. They will all be lay people, but they are doing the pastoral work of visitation, of looking after the people, knowing those who are in the chapel and those who are not there, knowing those who are sick, knowing those who are struggling, struggling with one cause or the other, and they prepare and send one or two other persons to go and assist in that cause. They prepare one or two to go and assist in that person. Why, why, why is he like that? What is happening with him? He's sick. Somebody must go there to know why he's sick. To know what is wrong. What can they do? That is the family. And it's God's own intention that the church becomes a family. Because it is the family of God. I want to conclude by saying that all the things we have said here, the most important, the most important, 
is the leader being with Jesus. The leader contacting Jesus. The leader being born again, being renewed, being transformed to be able to lead. The leader. That's the leader. That's the leader. You know, I like few members in the National Assembly who are believers. That's the way they behave. This, this, this National Assembly now in Nigeria, there are a few of them who are Christians, born again Christians from a good background, disciplined background. It is not all Ghana must go money that comes around them. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. They, they are able to know which is coming from where. When they also pass their comments, know where they are going to. When they receive their constituency fund for development, that's the way they manage it. One of them was bold one day to stand before the television to challenge members, his colleagues in the National Assembly. He said, we are not, but let, let Nigerians not think that every person in the National Assembly is corrupt. We are not all corrupt. That some of us, he said, some of us, we know the backgrounds we are coming from. We are disciplined. We are not glutons. We are God-fearing. Not all money is coming to our pockets. The man was bold to say, go to my constituency. Check the things we have done there and check their location figures. I mean, I, I, I like that. He said he's a Christian, he's born again, he gave his life to Jesus Christ and he's serving the master and serving his constituency. He was bold enough to say it. There are some wives of governors, wives of governors, who though they are first ladies of their states, they will still let the whole world know. Though my husband is a governor, we know where we are coming from. If you have ever met the wife of the governor of Delta State, Mrs. Okoa, you will know that somebody can be in that position and still be born again, interested in the word of God, interested in house-to-house -house evangelism. House-to-house -house evangelism. If not for security outfits that wouldn't allow her to move. There are some things that woman would love to do naturally, naturally. If she sits here now, listening to the word of God, she'll be busy copying and writing, writing notes, writing, 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 writing notes. She's a member of this and the church, she's a member of this, a member of this, a member of this. Because she wouldn't want the position to deceive her. Because she knows that one day she'll be out of that office. She holds her faith firm. So not everyone is corrupt. No, no, no. Like I said, there are still virgins. Not all girls are this virgins. No. So if a girl comes and says, ah, all of us are the same thing, oh, there is no more virgins again. Now lie. Now for her house. There are still virgins. There are girls who have never touched any man waiting for their own man. So if you carry all the girls and plunge them into one basket and say all girls have been disvirgined, you are making a whole lot of mistake. There are still virgins who are standing for the Lord and standing for their man to be. 
Do not be deceived. There are those who have made up their minds. Made up their minds. Except it is by rep or by frame up. And they will keep their bodies intact. And those ones are going to be honored by the Lord. So, new life is very, very important. New life. You can't beat it. And this is on this note that I want to stop and open maybe for about, I don't know how many minutes, 15 minutes or 20 or so for interaction. If you have any points you want to raise, if you have any question you would like to ask, if there is anything you want to add to what I have said in order to build this body, it's allowed. Is anyone who has anything to say or to ask, please, if you raise your hand, I want to give numbers. Yes, who is, please help me to, all right, help me to give the number. the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, brother okay, okay, we are happy to have you here. Thank you, sir. And we love your teachings, which is quite expository, especially for the leaders. In fact, it has made us to know more about what leadership is all about. Not only for the those in high authority, but even class refs, even at various levels, you find a leader. But what I want to say, especially concerning family situations and things, and our young people, is that. The current situation has made it much more difficult to, to, to teach or to guide the young ones. It's happening in the university because all of them have telephone in their hands. They can enter any channel right. and anywhere. You think you are with him or her there? She is somewhere far away. The televisions are there. Hundred channels. They can enter anyone. So it's like more or less out of our hands. And uh, that has compounded the current generation and situation. Mm. We're just thinking, how do we manage it? That's actually, maybe you have an idea how to help us with this. How do we manage this diverse situation that has befallen this current generation? At the time I brought up my children, I was doing what you had just taught. I did it diligently. But now, those that are now living with me and are around me, 
I can no longer because they all have very complex telephones in their hands. Mm. And they can go anywhere, travel anywhere while you are with them in the house. And they come back knowing more than yourself. Can have, what do we do? Thank you very much, sir. You remember I said that training of children now has become tougher, more difficult, more complex than it was. Remember I also said that our own children now, they face more pressure than when we were like them. Some of them who desire to live a good life naturally because of the homes they are coming from. The pressure from the world is making it difficult for them. Like you said, sir, there are so many things you don't know. They are the ones who will teach you. In fact, if you buy a good Samsung today, television, there are many things you don't know there about operation. Just ask your child. He will fix it for you. <laughs> he doesn't need to go to the operation manual. He will just tell you what, what is there. You buy a new phone. Don't, don't worry going to technician. Just give it to your child. He will tell you the, the, the year it was made and how to operate that phone. Well, Sars and Mars, it's a very big problem. But that's why we said beginning on time. The one that will be saved will be saved. No matter how rough, no matter how corrupt the generation is. Beginning on time and doing that which is in your hand to do. When I finish, my wife will be saying something on this. But, you see, when children are coming up, and they discover what is being planted into them, and they are growing, you, you are dealing with a human being, also dealing with his spirit. He's speaking something. Right from the womb, actually, you are speaking to him inside the womb. And he comes out, and he sees what the family is made of. And he grows with it. Others are coming, the siblings, and he's also helping to tell them, this is the culture of the family. There is nothing as powerful as the word of God. Using God's word in the child. God's word in the child. Praying for the child. That's why I said, the one that will be saved must be saved. He goes out, it's no longer in your hands. It is the same thing others will hold and they are opening to pornographic pictures, entering different, different places, watching this and watching that, doing this and doing that. As a lecturer, you are lecturing, the child is busy <laughs> cracking joke with the girlfriend there. You are busy lecturing, but he is talking with his girlfriend there. They are watching and sending all kinds of things. So many of their languages you do not understand. The, sing, the signals, they are codes, codes. Young people have codes. You don't know their codes. You don't know their codes. When you think that uh, 
Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Press together. Press down. Shaken together. You think you are quoting Bible. For them it means a different. It's a code. Give me. I will give you. Good measure. Press down. Shaken together. Is an immoral code. I want to have sex with you. It's a code. They have a code with it. You parents, illiterate parents, even if you are a professor, at that point you are illiterate as far as they are concerned. They will just trick you, trick you, do this, send their codes. You think they are using simple letters. Those simple letters mean a lot of things. I want to have sex with you. We are only going to kiss. We are only going to caress. We are only going to code. Not more than three or four letters. You, you are ignorant. In your own world, you are innocent. But a child understands the code. So while others are busy doing that, the child that has been raised with the word of God is going to different places. Studying, wanting to know better. He wouldn't want to do it the way others are doing it. Because he came from good parenting. He came from good background. The remedy will still be, let us do our best as parents and teach as much as possible. And again, when it comes to choice of school, you do, see, do your best. Send a child to the place where you think maybe this school is better. You send a child. Want a child. Communicate with a child. You have your family platform through the family platform platform communicate ask questions know what is happening say your best the days are evil brothers and sisters fathers and mothers the days are evil may i ask my wife to say a little bit on this thank you my lord bishop um, brethren, my little submission and input on this matter is that um, it's a very, very serious battle. Any parent who does not understand it so will be making a very serious mistake. Well, The things I think can help, can be of help for those whose babies are still small or those who are still making babies, one is to begin on time. Begin when the baby is still in the womb. Speak the word of God to the unborn child. Declare it and insist on it. It's a battle that has to begin that early. And as the child is born, be deliberate in your efforts. Be deliberate with what you want. And when you are deliberate, you insist on it. Introduce the child to Jesus as early as possible. And then you do a follow-up. Like daddy has said, I also believe no matter the spiritual height of the parents, no child is immune to these pressures. They will always be there. 
But it is the determination, the personal resolution of the child that helps him. No matter the height of the resolve, it still does not exonerate that child. Because these pressures come consistently. And when they have grown to that height where they are no longer completely under your control, I believe that we can always reach them through prayers. Prayers is the greatest weapon we have. I was listening to the message preached by one of the pastors in our diocese and he gave an illustration of this boy, I am sure. He said that child is the son of a pastor. Probably at some point, the parents would have introduced him to the Lord, but probably he backslid at some point and wanted to go the way of the world. He was ministering and was led to the boy and eventually he came for personal counseling and he opened up to him. He said, I know the Lord is calling me. The boy was talking. But he said, I have made up my mind. He said, it's the boy of about 17, 20. He said, I want to make money first. And I am bent on it. And eventually he narrated what he has been able to do with just phone. Just like the last speaker said. He was trying to search through the phone to get sites that can enrich people. Occultic groups in the world that can enrich people. He got in touch with the first and they were willing to do that. They said, you have to come over to South Africa. But he said, no, I don't have the resources to travel. They said, okay, don't worry. They told him what to do. Do this, do this. Lie down in this position in your room. So, so time at night will invoke your spirit. You will come over and we'll get you initiated and we'll take it up from there. And he did all that. Then he waited all through the night. Nothing happened. The following morning, he was disappointed. He called back. He said, I waited, I didn't hear. They said, no, we did. But let's ask you, who are you? We invoked your spirit three times. The first time, somebody else appeared. Second time, somebody else appeared. Third time, we were warned. And so we left you. Please don't call us again. The boy was disappointed. But he still did not stop at that. That is to tell you the extent these children can go. He kept, he studied again. Then he got in touch with the Illuminati group. And he was willing to do the same thing. They went the same round of experience. They said, don't worry, we'll invoke your spirit. And he did the same thing. A similar thing repeated. When he waited and waited and got back to them, they told him, the first question is, who are you? They say we invoked your spirit three times. The third time we were warned and we were told you belong to the righteous one. Please don't call us again. As soon as he said that, goose pimples all over my body. I said, this can only be the prayer of the parents. Dear sisters, this is how tough this battle is. Like daddy has said, they now operate at a frequency that is higher than ours. Yes, there are people who have given themselves to this ministry now, teaching and opening our eyes as parents to some things we may know that we will look out for in watching over these children. Things you can see and you begin to question. 
we can, when we have opportunity to sit under those people, please let's listen to them. They teach us, they give us techniques, skills on how to manage these children. You now understand some of these codes. So that they don't sell you off. Little child under you will sell you off under your roof. So, but ultimately, praying for them, putting an eye on them, and befriending them. Hmm? At late childhood and teenage years up to adolescence, one of the great weapons you can use is friendliness. Be friendly disposed. Try to be their pair. Put yourself at that level. If not, you will be surprised. Thank you. Thank you, ma. Be friendly with them. If you come like a lion, you will lose it. You think you want to come, you're back. Why are you doing this? Oh, you will lose it. Before, it might work. But now, they didn't know they work again. <laughs> you need to be friendly. You need to ask the child, what's the problem? What can we do for you? Is there any other way you think we can come into your problem? Friendly with them as much as possible. That's one of the things they do know. Yes, number two. Question number two. Yes, please. Who has a microphone? Thank you very oh, much, sorry. my lord. Okay, go with that. Uh, mine is actually a question that is work-related. Right. Because as a leader in the office, um, we are desirous to show ourselves as light of the world. Now, there is somebody who is my subordinate. So, but she never shows up at work. And so, in the past, some other people have tried to use queries and it never worked. Uh, so, I have tried other methods, including preaching to this person. I mean, she will say, I'm born again, but obviously you don't see the evidence of the being born again. Right. Sometimes you also say, okay, let me pick you on my way to work to make it easier for you. I mean, sometimes she appears, you bring her. Some other times, you won't see her. So, but many other people are complaining. This person doesn't come to work. Why is everybody quiet? Nobody is talking. My Lord, please, what should one do? Thank you very much. God is also officious. God is an office man. God is also an administrator. So that no matter how we want to be spiritual and pastoral and accommodating, official matters must be official matters. Deal with official matters as official matters. I sent, I dismissed one of my pastors because of immorality. But behind the scene, I was also counseling him. Uh, he couldn't understand why the same bishop who dismissed him is now also coming to counsel him. I said, the first one, that one, administration. This one is pastoralia. I had to dismiss you because as an administrator, you have spoiled the ground. You have no more message in the diocese. 
because of what you did even if i transfer you to a different place before you get to that place the news will follow you there apart from that you have not lived like an exemplary leader people find it very difficult to listen to you so you look for another diocese but yes knowing the problem was going to go through and others we still had to sit back to encourage him uh, see like if you find a diocese where you are going to if the bishop asks me i'll plead with the bishop to see if he can try you maybe if you have really 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 genuinely repented i'll no longer be involved in this kind of immorality again maybe the bishop may take you i may plead with any bishop if they want to take you but i said but what about if you forgive me and you keep me back in the dice, I say no, you, you have spoiled the water here. You no longer have a ministry here. That's administration. You didn't stop pastoral work, counseling, and all that. So even as administrator in the office, there are things that must be handled officially. Yes? Uh, you want to a pastor, you want to be accommodating, you want to, but they should also understand you to be a disciplinarian. Administrators must be disciplinarians, otherwise, we'll help in spoiling the society. Even as we're talking about our own children in our families, that you should be friendly wouldn't mean that when the child misbehaves, you say, I don't know what I'm going to do now. They say we should be friendly. Eh, be friendly in discipline. Still give discipline. Discipline is still very important. Can still use query for that person. Yeah, use query. A servant of God can use query. Query is administrative. Use query. Warn the person. Caution the person. Report the person. Because if somebody claims he is born again or she's born again and is misbehaving, uh -uh. no, something should be some, something should be done. Something should be done. It is what is inside of him or her that you are dealing with. That's it. So we should all, as administrators, put official work where official work should be, and put the pastoral or the encouragement or whatever where it should be. Otherwise, you will help in spoiling the people. Some take a lot of advantage. This after all, our lecturer or our HOD is a very nice man. In fact, our lecturer, even if I don't go for lectures, he will still have a way to, you know, do something. He's a very nice man. <laughs> Not everybody there are those who are very, very nice, but they are strict. Strict is part of godliness. Being strict is part of godliness, particularly where you ought to be strict. Why you need to be benevolent? Oh, that's, that's okay when you feel led to do so. But later people know that why you are benevolent, you can also be strict. That's why I use Mr. Merit. Yesterday, Christian lecturers and Mr. Merits, they will want the students, Rido, studio, studio, no bribery, no sorting, no diesel, no data. I don't need your body, study. 
You don't rob Peter to pay Paul. You don't work at night and go to Nepal to collect uh, salary. Study. It is what you merit that will be given to you. Oh, lecturers are known for that. So, be strict as much as possible. Also, show magnanimity where you think you need to show magnanimity. But when somebody has persistently proved stubborn, use staff of office. Every office has a staff. Use the staff of office. Praise the Lord. Question number three. We'll be closing in the next ten minutes. So we can go and prepare for... Uh, yes, that's the fourth one. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I will... Um, I think um, I will say that I'm the most happiest person today. Because leadership is my core area or competence. But along the line, if Christ took time to select his disciples and then took time to tutor them, to mentor them, and then why is it some leaders find it difficult to even bring you closer, to even tell you your weak points, to even mentor you on certain areas because I think that's the gap we are having at every level this issue of mentorship some people find it very difficult maybe coming to your level or seeing your weakness and try to address that weakness because if I know that from what has been said Christ selected his disciples mentor them so that they will, repli they will replicate him because he know he will not stay forever. Yeah. But why is it so many people find it difficult to replicate themselves knowing also that they will not stay forever. And then knowing that because all along we are taught that leadership is influence. Agreed. Uh, but there's a step forward you went about impartation. I think which is the bottom line of leadership. So I think when we see it from that perspective, I think we'll be a better person. But we discover it just like when we are in the bank. It's either you shape in or you shape out. It's either uh, you know what you are doing, you know what you are doing. But they throw you to the world. And then when they throw you to the world, they find out that the problem has not been solved. And then you go to the world and create more problems. Because the problem has not been solved. Yeah. Because leadership is about solving problems. If you don't solve problems, you throw the person to outside. And then when the person gets there, he starts another problem. And that will continue to multiply. So what I'm saying is that we should come to a point whereby every leader will understand that some people have some weakness. And then you must address the weakness so that you bring the person to your level. But to the level of your expectation. And that's when the person begins. It's just like what you talk about caring. Mm. Because even in the political world, you discover that at times, uh, whether your leader cares about you. And they find out that if somebody does not care about you, you are wasting your time. Yeah. So what we are saying that uh, we should learn more to care. It's just like what you gave about visitation. Maybe you didn't come to service and somebody was, I, I didn't see you in service. Mm. I mean, it shows that somebody cares about you because... Yeah. You may not come for one year. Nobody will know that you didn't come. That's true. And then you're on your own. So I think uh, 
the, my coming here today was the. I will say that I'm very happy. And I Thank think you very much. You did a good job, and then uh, we need to take it to a further level because I'm a student of leadership. And everywhere I go, I talk about leadership. Right. Because we say that leadership is the problem we're having in, in, in Nigeria. And you find out that that's the plain truth. Everywhere yes. you go, yeah. even the school, you find out the leadership. Because there's always this gap between the leader and the follower. The leader is not interested in the follower. And the follower, is, somebody has to mentor somebody before he brings. It's just like when we talk about gold. You find out that gold is not being uh, produced for sake of producing, it passes a lot of processes before growth becomes valuable. Mm. And then so is this human being also being trained. Before they can become, you have to pass through that process. So I think, uh, I thank you very much. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. A very little question. What do you think that meant more than 5,000 or 10,000 or 20,000 members of Deeper Life Church to break their televisions, throw away their televisions, refuse to appear in televisions for many, 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 many years. Somebody used this money, went to the market, bought television, and at, at the time when televisions were very expensive. All of a sudden, we'll be hearing, boy, boy, boy. And somebody will break the television and come to the church, take microphone, and give testimony. It's impartation. Because Pastor W. F. Kumui is one of, the, one of the men I respect in this country. In spite of the excesses, there is a way to deal with excesses and still take the good in somebody. I respect him, I love him, I speak about him. He assisted me. When we were growing up in the 80s, I love the man till tomorrow. But sit back. I say, how thousands of people, including some professors in mathematics, in physics, in sociology, in medicine, most professors, professors around him, breaking their televisions because it was called the devil's box. At that time, development members were not using televisions. Those who bought televisions before conversion, they broke their televisions. They wouldn't want to appear in televisions. Impartation. Workers' fellowship, workers' leadership meeting, leadership. Now and then, workers we are meeting. Workers we are meeting. Local workers, regional workers, state overseers meeting, national workers meeting. This, they were constantly meeting. Leaders' impartation was going on. And the thing was disseminating, disseminating, going down, 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 up to my town. Up to my town. The thing said in Lagos had effect in my town, in my village. In my little village, we would say, ah, television, devil's box. Devil's box. I say, hey, now, wow. Something said in Lagos, being acted in my small village. What do you think that made thousands of girls 
Boys who married never wore wedding gowns. No wedding gown. Just appear as you are. Just put your turban. Put something like that. Do your wedding. Finish. Go in. You're already married. Impartation. Leadership training. Consistent workers teachings and the meetings and the coordinations and everything. Putting people together and teaching. It goes a long way. It goes a long way. If not now that, uh, of course, saw what happened a few weeks ago. Kumui invited Domon and some other members of the life reacted. No, no, no. Our guy has backslidden. <laughs> because I mean, he feels he has come up to the level where uh, he's, he's, he's in his valedictory now. Going from city to city to preach. And I said to myself a few weeks ago, are you sure this man hasn't seen his end? The way Pastor Kumuyi is doing now, you know, organizing citywide crusades here and there. Opening up, encouraging ecumenism, bringing in other people. But over the years, over the years, could see what this man has done. If we do like that, honestly speaking, there are so many, so many people in our church who will be able to understand something. Beginning on time to prepare the people for leadership, our young people for leadership, for a time of confirmation. For instance, if it's the Anglican church, confirmation period, teaching people, preparing them for leadership. One of the questions we have here is, why is it that we have some people who are not genuinely born again, who are the leadership corridor of our church? Maybe PCC or even pastors or even this. Why, why are they there? It is what we had missed before. We missed it before. <laughs> At the embryo stage, when the person is coming up, he wasn't prepared for leadership. He simply came into the church and uh, we are doing PCC election. He said, okay, um, what about this man? Everybody raised hand because he gives money to the church. He comes early in the church. He sits in front of the church. So he qualifies for PCC membership. Whether he has to uh, uh, concubine somewhere. Whether he is busy drinking and smoking. As long as he is giving money to the church, he's qualified for PCC. I probably elected. Because we are not prepared from beginning. So sometimes when you come, you don't have people who are prepared for this that can be elected. It's okay. These ones who are at least available. Those who are available. Let them go and represent us there. But in the actual sense, the ideal, ideal is not available. That's where we can put it. In our own case, the ideal is not available. What's supposed to be, oh, it's not available. You may argue, it's debatable. Ah, are you sure that they are not born again? Were they not baptized? Were they not confirmed? What are you saying that they are not born again? And all those things. We have seen all those arguments over the years. But he that is not of Christ. He that does not have Christ is not of him. He that is not transformed, you know, is not transformed. It's not. 
That's why you have in some of our churches, somebody is in the PCC, he's pushing to be the one that will go to come do this supply, do this supply, because at the end, he will falsify accounts, he will chop some into his pocket, he will direct them to some his house, he will take some property of the church, he will do this and he will do that. Not only the Anglican church, some of our churches around, that's why people struggle for some positions, because of what they want to get from it. When people are not prepared and not disciplined to know what leadership is all about, people to fear church money. Fear church money. Even if it is one cobble, fear it. When people are not so much trained and brought up to the point where they know that this is my personal money, or this is church money. I'm not going to touch the one that belongs to the church. This thing they have sent me to buy, I'm going to present exactly what I bought. What the receipt is going to carry is exactly what I bought. There's a discipline you need for that kind of thing. If you don't have that kind of discipline, you go there and say, okay, uh, we bought this cement at 4,200 naira. Please write 4,005 there. After a man, go work. Maybe you are buying 1,000 uh, uh, bags or 500 bags. You cal- you've already calculated to 200. You're going to make in one, uh, one bag of cement times that. For you, it's a very big money. For the person, very, very big money. You find a way to work with the contractors and tell, okay, see how much you're going to charge. Eh? Charge our, our PCC this. At the end, we will know how to do this one. Will, this percentage will belong to me. Charge our church council this. That is a council in which he's a member. He's a member. He will tell the man what to charge. We've had people like that. We have worked with people like that. When the truth is now discovered, you become the enemy. Hey, this pastor is showing too much. Hey, this pastor thinks only he will chop. Hey, this pastor is claiming too much. People are not prepared for leadership on time. Let's prepare our young people on time so that by the time they come up, no matter the age, they will know that this is a discipline. We must have to do it this way. That spiritual leadership has a pattern. You don't just come into the church and do it anyhow. It has a pattern. So we need constantly to do that. Uh, do we have the last person? Oh, good. Uh, I haven't had any lady. I haven't had any of Oh, very good. Please speak. Yes. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. My little question is um, on these uh, teenage group. It was in the school. A child now asked me a question after I must have finished teaching. He said, Auntie, there are things my parents used to do that will make me one day I will run away. A boy of 13. Say, what happened if I should run away from the home? Then my little answer now came to, if you run away, you are nowhere. Because nobody will welcome you home. You may meet somebody outside that will ask you to come to live with him or her. You will live like one or two weeks. They will look around and ask you, where are your parents? They will now ask you to go back to your parents. Nobody will allow you to come back home again. When you come outside, you will see yourself nowhere. That is when you will now start looking for your place. And this boy eventually left the home. And enter the hand of this, um, uh, uh, is it uh, 
uh, hit, uh, pick and run and entered into a mechanic office. Mm. They started living in the bus, in the uh, cap, uh, mechanic uh, buses that are kept there. They now lured him into going to steal. One day they caught them. They chained them and they started calling the mother to come for the child. When the mother reached here now, he asked him question. Didn't I tell you about this running away, running away? And your auntie told you in the school that running away will lead you nowhere. That was how this boy was raised. And by then, they have cut uh, off one of the fingers to use it as a cut. So, sir, in case if this kind of question comes to us again next time or anywhere we are teaching, how will we handle this thing, most especially in our homes? Because their action is just running away, running away. You have said it that somebody that will learn, will learn. Somebody that will receive Christ, will receive Christ. And that one that will run away, will still run away, sir. How can we handle this issue? Thank you, sir. Thank you for that answer you gave. You deserve an award of PhD for that answer you gave to that young boy. It's a very wonderful answer. But let mommy say something. Well, my dear sister, in trying to respond to this question, if I am to address it, I would want to know what is that reason or what are those factors that is pushing the child away from the home. Because it's only by addressing the factors that the problem would be solved. That's where the healing starts. Um, that is why many times, I personally, I like listening to people. Not trying to make them suppress their emotions. No, let them express it. Then you try by listening to know what the problem is and address the problem. Because if the problem is not addressed, it may explode. You keep suppressing and suppressing, a day comes, it explodes. And that's what would have happened to that child. Thank you. Thank you very much. You see, young people, young people and the youth fellowship, we, we, we take these things very, 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 very seriously because um, if the Lord helps all our churches to grow a viable, dynamic youth fellowship. We are some of these boys are brought in. We are some of their colleagues go to speak their language to them because they have their language. I believe in the language of young people. There are some things I cannot do to convince a young man as a bishop. But getting another young person in the same church who knows the Lord, who is also exposed, meeting that same young man, they use Oboy language to solve it. Oboy, why now? Oboy, why? Oboy, say, share, Oboy. By the time you know it, Oboy will solve the problem. And yet they are using oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Be job talking. Oh boy, forget about that now. The thing don't happen finish now. Oh boy, just oh boy, just oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. And yet, why they are being oh boy? He's talking something. He's drawing the boy. He's encouraging the boy, doing certain things. We have a daughter, Dockers. 
She's in the university. One of the things Dockers does is to look for traumatic children. When she discovers one who is very close to her, the next thing we will hear is, Daddy and Mommy, please, would you like to pay school fees for one of one, one girl in our class? I said, Dockers, you don't come again. Eh? Dockers, you don't. Which, which one? Which one? Because she's so close to her meds that she's able to know those who are in different problems. In fact, one of them is an orphan. She's finding it very, very difficult in their family. In fact, the elder brother carries juju. The elder brother is all kinds of things in that family. The girl is no longer comfortable. It's as if she run away from that family. Just like what her sister there was saying. So, doctors came one day and said, Please, daddy and mommy, we want to bring a belly to our house. We want her to come around and stay with us for some time. First, she began with school fees. Please, can you pay? The parents are no longer there. Can you help to pay the school fees of Ebele, my friend? So we asked her a few questions and we discovered that it was a genuine case. We paid fees. At that time, she talked about bringing Ebele to our house. She wants us to have a touch of, in the life of Ebele. And the girl came and said for about a week with us in a bishop's court, you see, there are some things our daughter Dockers can do in the life of that girl which we cannot do. We are not able. We don't have the capacity to do it. But because at met level, they have their language. All she does is just comes and she will convince mommy and I and all that. She has done that, done that severally. Young people have their own language. That's why you need a very strong youth fellowship, youth organization. Encourage young people. Encourage them. Find out what they need in their own department. Provide it. Musical instrument, this one, picnic, you know, providing tea when they meet. In all those things, you see them, you see them bringing their colleagues, bringing their friends. So that when you have this kind of case, Send them. They will deal with it. If I without a pastor troubling himself, they will know the language to speak. They will know how to manage it. They will know how to handle it. But you see, that boy that left the family, something was pursuing him. He was no longer comfortable with the family. There are some boys like that. Even in the church, there are some girls like that. Sometimes you find a girl running out, going to go and sleep, uh, believing with a boyfriend. He will tell you the person, promise to marry me. At that point, she's tired of staying at home. And he's no longer living well with the mother. She's just tired of that family. The place is no longer conducive for her. That's where this friendliness comes in. Our young people are under serious tension, under serious pressure. So many things are pulling them, pulling them here and there. That's why we need this friendliness. Your own child, your own son, your own daughter, from time to time, ask questions, open up discussion. Try to ask something. How is it with you? Are there challenges around you? Are there things you think we can help? 
And let me say that sometimes it may not be spiritual problem, it may be psychological. May get somebody a psychologist, may get somebody who will put in some words here and there, try to know certain things and be able to put the person on track. We need all this. Discover the different talents in the church. Discover who has been blessed with what. Everything is not deliverance. Sometimes we may think that ah, he needs deliverance. Please come now. Let's go and deal with him. And you pray and pray and pray and pray. The person is even using leg to kick you off. It may not be deliverance. There may be deliverance cases, but not all cases are deliverance cases. Some are counseling. That's why we have psychologists and the counselors and people who have done one or two things in the psychology who will help. So discover different things, particularly for our young people. And I want to repeat that. Honestly, if you have, if we, if we have a formidable, dynamic youth organizations, equipped, when I mean equipping, it's not just building a hall for the saga. Youth, all of you, go there and say, you are disturbing us. No. Equip the youth fellowship. If you equip the youth fellowship, it becomes a magnet center. They will bring their colleagues. For us, as bishops, what we do, you now look for a clergyman that speaks their language. You look for a clergyman that has the word of God, a clergyman that is well disciplined, but a clergyman that is lively and sent to them as their chaplain or their own pastor. Somebody whose language they will also understand. They go there and do all their higher, higher, higher things and yet sink the word of God. Something applies with children's ministry. We are talking about an adult youth maybe of 19 years or 20 years or 18 years. The same thing we also say about our children, one year, two years, three years, who are coming up. If we don't begin on time to solidify our children's ministry, they will also grow to become what we wouldn't want them to be. Oh yes, that's what happens. When we came to our cathedral um, last year, after translation, one day I visited our Anglican Children's Ministry church service on a Sunday. The children were 34 in number. And so we sang that day and I prayed for them. And of course they were looking at Bishop. Bishop is Bishop. Bishop of those people. Bishop, I did my best to look for language of the children for them to know that I am also their own Bishop. Unfortunately, that day I went with my children. Don't like all those things, people. We are, they are not interested in all those things. <laughs> so the next day I was good. I didn't wear all those things because I, incidentally, I came out from the adult church that day. I went to visit them. But second visit, I didn't go with my vestments. So, but in that first visit, I looked at the number. There were 34. And I called the teachers. I said, Look, let's work on this number. I went to the adult church the same Sunday before the adult church dismissed. I said, we're going to build snacks bank for our children. That this number that is 34, want to increase this number geometrically. I raised funds for the snacks bank. Ah, all kinds of snacks. Mr. Fruit, Mr. Sopido, 
Mr. Hadis, all the things the children like. I first of all asked them, what kind of things do you like to take? That's when they taught me all the names of biscuits, different biscuits, different juice, different Mr. Fruit and Mr. This. So I came and downloaded the same thing to the adult church. I said, please, we're going to stock the children's bank, snacks bank with Mr. Fruit, Mr. This, and this, and biscuit, and this, and that. And we raised funds. So we announced to the children, coming Sunday, come prepared. You will take this, you will take this. After service, from that Sunday, every Sunday, you must take something before you dismiss. Look, those things were raised. The snacks. The box was filled with snacks, all matter of snacks and drinks. And children, we are served. That Sunday, there were 74. So from 34 to 74. So those of them who enjoyed the snacks and everything that Sunday, they went into the town, did their own evangelism. Come to our church. You will take this, you will take this, you will take that. Look, the numbers only came to close to 90-something by the third Sunday. So I said, I went to adult. I said, okay, now, I uh, want to buy their own separate projector so that when they come, before they dismiss each service, or maybe in two, two weeks, just something will be slotted for them, for them to watch 10 minutes. That one alone helped to swell the number. Look, that thing is simply a magnet to bring the children closer so that teachers will be able to have people to teach because you need human beings to teach. You need to prepare them. And so I called all my pastors. I said, oh yeah, begin to grow snacks bank. Any church I will go to, I will talk about it. You will raise funds there. They will establish their own snacks bank. And the Anglican children ministry began to grow. Because we need them to be very close to teach all the things we are discussing now at their own level. Let them begin to hear it. Let them begin to know what we believe in the church. And prepare them for leadership too. Prepare them for uh, the young people's uh, fellowship. So beginning on time, like my wife said, it's very, very important. Let's begin on time. Let's do our best. Because of these traumatic experiences, you know, I talked about the clergy and wives retreat we just had last week. Um, it, it was we we closed that that session or that retreat with a team, you know, that came from Calabar on traumatic healing. Uh, you know, initially, pastors are counselors, but we saw a new way of counseling people in trauma. A new way of using just simple questions. Just little simple, little simple questions. To be able to dissect certain things. And it became a very big lesson and big eye-opener for us. There is so much trauma around us. Some young people are feeling like committing suicide. Some young people are no longer satisfied with their parents. No longer satisfied with what is happening to them. Some, their ambitions are so high and so high that when they are not getting what they want and they see their mates getting this. And some of their mates are Yahoo Yahoo boys. Some of those boys are just getting money anyhow. But they want to also be something. That's why we need the church to be very strong with a dynamic youth fellowship.
Praise the Lord. So we're going to stop here so that we'll go and, and prepare. Shall we bow our heads to pray? My model, Jesus is my model. Jesus is my model. I will go with him. I will go with him, my model. Jesus is my model. Jesus is my model. I will go with him. I will be like him, my model. Jesus is my model. Jesus is my model. I will be like him. I want you to pray for yourself. I want you to ask the Lord to help you as you grow to be a leader. And as you also lead others, pray for grace to lead well. Pray for the grace to look up to Jesus, your own model, our own model. The model that will never fail, that will never disappoint. The model that can never, never, never be dented. Let's pray that the Lord will help us as his own people to lead well. Let's pray for those who are coming up after us, that as they look up to us, they will see examples. That we are leading by example. Are there things the Lord has said to you today? Commit them to prayer. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. I dear Lord, we thank you that you have called us to be instruments in your hands. Even when we are nothing in ourselves. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the instructions. Thank you for the principles you have taught us. The grace to go and live by these things we ask of you. That Father, the purpose for which you have made this call, even of this meeting, will not elude any of us. Make us better leaders. Make us solution providers. Help us to be the light and the salt wherever we are found. May every organization, may every group, group, no matter how small, that to which we have been assigned as leaders, receive the impact of this meeting in the name of Jesus Christ. May these words not stand against any of us on the last day. Jesus, help us to be like you. And that in doing this, we will indeed record better fruitfulness in all our areas of assignment through Jesus Christ, our Lord.